Beer and Honey, the German football pod. The 61st Bundesliga season is underway and we're here to talk about big wins for Bayern and Stuttgart, small wins for Frankfurt and Dortmund and a couple of spectacular matches in Leverkusen and Augsburg. All of this and much more in this week's edition of Beer and Honey with very special guest, Ronny Reng. Hello, dear listener. I'm Rafael Honigstein. I'm Christoph Biermann. And we're back with edition one of the new season proper. Yes, the 61st Bundesliga season is underway. And what a week we saw. Lots of goals, lots to talk about, and lots of really spectacular matches to get our teeth into. Before we start, though, a quick reminder that we do still need your support. If you can, become a member of the Beer and Honey Supporters Club, or even better, become an ultra and help us keeping Beer and Honey on the airwaves. Right, but let's get to it. There were many goals. There was a lot of good football, but there was also the Hessen Derby with a uh, less exciting performance, less exciting result, but a very happy Ronnie Rang is here to tell us all about the glorious 1-0 win from Eintracht Frankfurt against Darmstadt. Ronnie, how was it for you? Well, it was like watching Arsenal in the old days. It was watching boring, boring Eintracht. Um, I think even in the cup game, which uh, people who hadn't seen it the week before, Eintracht beat Lokomotiv Leipzig 7-0. It was a first half where I was texting my friends, are you still awake or have you fallen asleep? So I think at the moment what the new manager Dino Topman is trying to do is all about control, you know, controlling the game, um, getting the defense right. And you're just wondering or hoping, will they start to play some blistering, cracking, attacking football again? Um, because yesterday, I mean, Mario Götze was moving around. He was trying to get things moving, but they took a lot of wrong decisions when they had to hit a long ball to change sides, for example. They played it neat. Um, so, yeah, it was a win and nothing more. And, of course, the big, big ta uh, talking point is, will we see Kolo Muani again playing for Eintracht Frankfurt or has he scored his last goal yesterday? What's your hunch? Well, what uh, people within the club uh, even confirmed privately is that he was in Paris uh, last Friday, last Thursday, with the permission of the club to have talks with Paris Saint-Germain. And apparently, this is coming from the fresh French press, um, apparently they agreed terms what he what he should earn. Um, but Eintracht are not happy what Paris Saint-Germain has offered them so far. I think Marcus Crusher even said it after the game on record. Uh, we received an offer from Paris, um, but it's not good enough for us. So they were looking for at least, I think, around 90 million euros, 100 million euros, or um, getting Hugo Egite, um, a French striker from Paris Saint-Germain, within the package, which I think would be maybe the better option for Frankfurt if they get some decent money and get a, get a striker, because it will be very, very tough uh, to get another striker uh, 
not even to say on the on the level of Muani because there are no strikers on the level of Muani, but to get a, a good striker um, at this time of the transfer market. So they are still negotiating. Uh, Eintracht, I understand what I've been told, um, have told Muani, listen, um, we are happy to let you, we are not happy, but we would let you go, but just on our terms. So um, it's not clear that he will go, but I think there's a 90% chance that we have seen the best of him in Frankfurt. Um, Ronnie, um, you said that uh, Colomani uh, scored the only goal. Uh, what could you say? can you say about his performance? Um, d did you have the impression that he was affected? Because very often players, when they're in a situation like this, they look unconcentrated, a bit lost and so on. What was your impression about his game? I think he was affected, but more by the lack of uh, creativity in the Frankfurt team. I mean, as a striker, you are totally dependent on the game of your of your teammates of the midfield and um it it was tiring at times it was um the speed wasn't there um the speed of thought and the speed of movement was lacking and as i said the passing game wasn't as good as it could be as it was last year most of the time so i would blame it rather on the frankfurt game um that kolomwani didn't shine yesterday he was out of the game for for long periods But, um, yeah, as I said, it will be a big, big change if he's gone um, by this time next week. A word about the opponent. I mean, um, Darmstadt didn't spend much money. It looks a bit like as if they try to survive the Bundesliga with a decent second division team. But, but maybe that's a bit unfair. What did you see in them yesterday in the stadium? I thought they were a typical um, team new to the Bundesliga, like Heidenheim on Saturday in Wolfsburg, which uh, starts the league with a feeling like, okay, first of all, we should get our defense right. We need to be tight, organized, and then maybe get a half-decent chance to score a goal. So they were definitely concentrating on not making mistakes. And I think when you do that as um, a newly promoted team, It's just when you make mistakes, when you're on your mind is all the time not making mistakes. So they played with too much respect, I think, uh, as Heidenheim did um, on, on Saturday. But I think both, both clubs have a clear plan. Um, and you mentioned it. It's not that they don't want to spend money. They think, well, if we um, keep our team together and rely on the things which made us big in the in the second division, which is team spirit, which is uh, the amount of work we put in, a very high work rate. Heidenheim will be, I'm pretty sure, one of the teams uh, which runs the most in every game in the Bundesliga. If we put that values in, we got a much better chance than if we buy two or three players, big-name players who come to Darmstadt and Heidenheim and think, Oh my God, what I'm doing here in this, excuse me, in this shithole, I'm much better than, than the club. I don't think that um, would work. So I think they got a, got a good plan. And um, it should be interesting if it will be enough. I think it was clear that Darmstadt in preseason was lacking from not scoring goals. They brought in a Scottish guy from the Belgian league who, well, didn't show you in preseason that he was uh, 
good enough to make in the Bundesliga. So in the last minute, they signed Luca Pfeiffer, a striker from Stuttgart who had been at Darmstadt before. Uh, he came on yesterday. You couldn't tell anything yesterday because they didn't create much chances. But I think he might be an improvement. Um, but that's a big question for both teams, Heidenheim and Darmstadt. Will we be able to score goals in the Bundesliga? Before we move on to the big clubs, um, uh, Frank Schmidt and everybody at uh, Heidenheim was saying, and here we have something in Learning Fußball Deutsch. Learning Fußball Deutsch with beer and honey. Sie mussten Lehrgeld zahlen. How on earth do you translate this? You have to go on an apprenticeship and pay money for that. Um, is that an equivalent? I'm not sure. I, I think it's 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 because the educational system is um, is different, so that it doesn't probably translate. But what it means is um, you have to pay. Uh, uh, so that you can learn. And I think that is exactly what happened to Heidenheim and uh, obviously to an extent also to Darmstadt. Yeah, a painful lesson, I think, is how we can probably transla translate it a little bit literally. But, uh, I mean, talking about the Hesse Derby has been painful enough because there is more time here for real good football on the pod. <laughs> Because the full-blown Bayern crisis is over. And uh, we'll talk to them in about a second. But first I want to go to Union, uh, Christoph, because Union, in the Champions League for the first time, I don't know, for some reason, maybe the expectations domestically weren't this high this season with a lot of good teams around them investing heavily and, and maybe improving. But here they are with a, how would Ronnie put it, a blistering, cracking start to the, to the new season. And by the way, we should just say at the beginning, happy birthday, Bundesliga. 61st season. They're 60 years old now. Nearly as old as, um, as me and Ronnie. Okay. Union. Christoph. Were you there? How was it? Yeah, I was there and it was, uh, especially in the first half, it was uh, really impressive um, uh, how, how they played. Um, uh, compared, I mean, uh, it was a, they, they had a, a hat-trick by Kevin Behrens, uh, not in the first half, but, but uh, in, within the 4-1 uh, win. He scored uh, three goals with his head, and that was a kind of record since this kind of stuff is counted since, I think, 1991. No, no, no header hat-trick had been scored uh, in the Bundesliga. Frederik Grönow um, uh, saved two penalties from Ludovic Ajorg. Um, maybe we can talk a bit about that later. And... Uh, But especially the first half was, was really, really uh, impressing, um, especially uh, uh, David Fofana, who started for, for Union on loan from Chelsea. The Ivorian was uh, very impressive, very entertaining, uh, 
a fast, strong dribbler, an element that uh, Union so far didn't have in the team. Uh, Brendan Aronson also started, the uh, US player on loan uh, from Leeds United. And uh, later on, the big signing, uh, Robin Gosens, a uh, uh, German international, came on and Kevin Folland. Um, uh, played in the last 10 minutes or so, uh, coming from Monaco and giving an assist to the fourth uh, goal. So um, there were some patches where um, uh, Mainz uh, could impress uh, Union, but altogether it was a top performance. And uh, honestly, they look better la than last season. With the money they are spending on, uh, even now they, they seem to be desperate to buy even some big name players for for a while. Last year, everybody will remember the Isco saga when he was already in Berlin and they didn't sign him in the end for whatever reason. And now they brought in Robin Gosen and uh, Kevin Folland, uh, players who will certainly earn more than um, just a butter bread, as we say in Germany. Um, <laughs> and I think it's. Maybe it might be interesting for your listeners. They always compared to SC Freiburg. You know, it was always said Freiburg and Union Berlin, they are the two uh, big outsiders making it in the Bundesliga. I think that concept is totally different. Whereas Freiburg really earned um, everything they achieved by, well, working with a big structure, looking for players uh, um, without spending money, uh, developing the players. Union Berlin, since three or four years, they are spending a lot of money. And I don't know where the money is coming from. Probably from the bank on big loans, like loaning money like Real Madrid, uh, Christoph. How, how are they doing it? I mean, they are they already bankrupt or where did they get the money from? Do they all find it uh, somewhere in the stadium where somebody has forgotten it? Probably Hertha Berlin has lost all their money on the street and they are just crapping it up. Um. Um, I think they um, don't pay as much as many clubs uh, think. I mean, I don't, they, they haven't given me insights in their finances and they are very tight in information uh, about their finances. Um, but what you, what you can say is um, that the, um, the club, and, and I think that it's right what you are saying, uh, the comparison with uh, Freiburg in that respect is wrong because... Um, They, um, in a way, they are uh, more run like a company and where, where, um, where you put investments in players uh, with the aim to get better. And, and so far, this has worked. Um, uh, they invested money and they got higher revenues. They have fantastic numbers when it comes to sponsorship, shirt sales, um, uh, and so on. And also the TV money coming in from, uh, from, from uh, European football and so on and next season for um, Champions League football. So um, I don't know if uh, if they're taking huge risks. I, I, I wouldn't think so, but, but, um, uh, but I don't know. But yes, uh, what they are doing is um, they are not taking the slow lane as Freiburg did with 
developing their own players and so on because so far the youth setup from um, uh, from Union delivered almost nothing. There was uh, yesterday uh, there was one player, Joscha Kemlein, kem coming in and uh, from the youth team. He's highly talented, but that's the exception to the uh, the rule, and that's uh, completely different to uh, to what Freiburg is doing. Yeah, just to put what Ronnie said into context, Union have spent about 30 million euros uh, this summer, which for a team of their standing is a lot. But of course, in the grand scheme of things, talking about Real Madrid or the Premier League, it's a, it's a drop in the ocean. Um, and, and let me have one word, uh, the longing for big names. Um, I wouldn't supre uh, be surprised if one big name would show up maybe already this week, uh, Leonardo Bonucci. Um, uh, from Juventus, I, I don't know how old is he now, 36, 37 or so. Uh, as old as the Bundesliga, yeah? <laughs> Nearly. And, uh, and he, um, as we know, um, Juventus uh, doesn't want him anymore but, and there is uh, interest in, in him uh, by Union and also vice versa. So maybe uh, that will work out this week. To be fair, I think it shows you what a big, big and great work the manager is doing. Urs Fischer, you know, when uh, he gets a new team basically every season um, and he's uh, improving the team without any fuss, it seems, you know. He has to blend in new players, well, five, six players, I think even three years ago, like 10 new players into the team and he's succeeding with that. And that uh, really speaks for himself. Couldn't agree more. Okay. Um, before we move on, Christoph, one word on Brandon Aronson for our many American listeners. How did he do in his Bundesliga debut? Um, he was part in the build-up of the of the first goal, and he, I think, he played very well in this um, excellent first half by Union. And then you could see that he uh, uh, got tired uh, uh, during the match, but overall, it was a very good performance. There is a, a big competition within the team who is in the starting eleven. So. Um, uh, good for him that he was a, a, a starter and everybody was happy with his performance but it was not the wow effect or so but uh, good very good um, perhaps less impressive than Union's 4-1 destruction of Mainz was Dortmund's win over Köln Edin Terzic saying the only good thing about this game was the result because Dortmund won 1-0 thanks to a Daniel Marlin goal very late on 88th minute they didn't play well Köln should have at least drawn maybe even won the game um, concern for this Borussia team we all had great hopes for them um, be, be, before um, before we answer this question maybe another uh, learning Fußball Deutsch go for it Christoph Learning Fußball Deutsch with beer and honey. Because the Daniel Malen goal, I think, was actually a typical Kaktor. Um, you literally translate it into poo goal or so. Um, <laughs> well, what's, what, the, uh, what would the equivalent uh, in English? Rubbish goal? Uh, because uh, I'm not sure there is an equivalent because every goal is nice. There's no such thing as a bad goal, is there, Ronnie? Not really. And we, we had so many goals this uh, in this first, um, first games in the Bundesliga. I think 34 goals in total in nine games, which makes an average of... Uh, 
let me be quick in mathematics, 3.8 goals. And I think that must be a record for, for European leagues. I mean, um, usually there are, I think, like two goals per on, on average per game and 3.8. So um, most goals were really beautiful. I remember particularly the goals... Uh, Christoph will remember because they were going in in the goal <laughs> of his uh, supported team Bochum. Uh, Stuttgart scored some lovely goals. So I don't think Marlin's goal will stand out here in terms of beauty, but uh, it was certainly a very nice goal because uh, it brought them the winner. But but Dortmund, you, um, as you said, um, Raphael, uh, was really disappointing. Um, they looked interestingly they looked like as they were having a lack of energy um, and that's strange a lack I mean, of Jude Bellingham energy probably or Jude is that too reductionist yeah, too I, reductive I would, sorry um, I, I would think so because um, uh, I mean it was hot it was a hot weekend um, in, uh, uh, in Germany all over Germany Uh, also on Saturday evening in the Westfalen Stadion, but there were two teams on the pitch, and one looked as if suffering from the heat, and the other team uh, uh, not. And uh, so it was, in a way, um, Borussia played boring football. I mean, uh, may maybe it, it was mirrored uh, uh, um, what what happened the the other day in in Frankfurt, but. Um, Yeah, and they were lucky and they were scoring a goal that was, uh, uh, I don't know if it's, uh, was it intention by Daniel Malen to, to score like this, uh, kicking the ball that, so that he was jumping over the defender on the line. Um, but uh, yes, um, Borussia didn't look like uh, the, the team that is hunting uh, Bayern, uh, at least uh, they didn't look like this on Saturday. Yeah, well, Kevin Behrens, the hat-trick scorer in the Union game, celebrated by going home on his bike. <laughs> yes. Yusuf Mukoko celebrated by, well, I want to say taking a scalp, but he didn't take a scalp, he took the hat from uh, Köln coach Steffen Baumgart. Uh, what's that all about? I, I mean, it's a this this hat by um, Steffen Baumgart is a typical trophy um, because uh, he he's wearing it uh, all the time. I think you can also buy it in the club shop. So maybe he's earning money for 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 wearing this uh, thing. And uh, so it's it's part of uh, Steffen Baumgart's overall sometimes a bit aura. Uh, aura um, uh, also wearing the same stuff if it's uh, 30 degrees hot or freezing cold and uh, and and so on oh, yeah or ill-fitting t-shirts um, just to uh, explain what happened here so apparently Mukoko gave Baumgart a shirt last season and in return he asked for the the cap the hat and he didn't get it so with a bit of um, delay Baumgart uh, turned uh, turned in the cap and held up his end of the bargain. Now, the big one, the real event of the weekend. Augsburg's 4-4 against Club. No, no, we'll talk about it in a second. First, Friday night, the opener. Now, for those who haven't been to Bremen, there's good news and bad news. There's good news. The good news is that it's a very compact city. You can 
land at the airport, and 12 minutes later, you can be at the stadium, courtesy of a taxi drive. The bad news is if your flight has two, well, one and a half hours delay, and you land at 8, 10, you still can miss the first goal, as I did. But I still witnessed three more goals, and I witnessed Harry Kane's debut in the Bundesliga for Bayern, and for once, very happy Bayern Munich faces. Because as Christoph said, and I'm sure Ronnie would have enjoyed, we were in, I say we, Bayern were in full crisis mode <laughs> going into this game. Or in semi-crisis mode after that very demoralizing and, yeah, concerning 3-0 defeat against Leipzig in the Super Cup. But courtesy of Werder Bremen's very poor defending and some good stuff, here they are, second spot in the table after that 4-0 win. And everything is fine again and rosy again in the Bayern Munich Garden. Now, I, I'm going to tell you what I thought in a second. Uh, Ronnie, as an interested observer, did you have a chance to check out this game? What do you make of Bayern and Harry Kane? Well, I'm sure we, we will try hard to find some negativity about the game. but uh, well, we You will, will yeah. We, we will, we will. We try hard. Uh, we will struggle, but we try hard. But I, what I thought... Uh, I mean, I thought I've seen this kind of Bayern game a million of times. They looked uh, better than the team, than the opponent in, in every department. They were too quick for the opponents. Their passing was too sharp. And the opponent was desperate to hang on uh, when they were 1-0 down. And you thought, OK, this is a typical Bayern game. In the end, they went 2-0 or 3-0. Um, but what's different this time was my perspective because after all those Bayern crises uh, in the last weeks and months, the, f the, the very moment when Bremen seemed to have a chance after the, second, after the start of the second half, for 10 minutes they were pressing a bit higher, um, they created two or three half-decent chances, I thought, ha, here we go again, Bayern will suffer again, they will blow it again. And it was interesting, it was sadly they didn't, but it was interesting to see that their manager, Thomas Tuchel, seemed to think the same time, because uh, the same thing, sorry, because after the game in the post-match uh, interviews, he repeated like three times, um, we showed some consistency today, we showed some consistency today, we showed some consistency today, consistency today. So he himself must have suffered in the last uh, in the last games from that uh, moments when Bayern was just giving it away when they were falling apart, and he seemed to be just relieved that it was different this time that they really hold on even in this uh, ten minutes of uh, Bremen attacks, and uh, well in the end managed to win to win convincingly. Yeah, Ronnie, I think you're right. There was a huge emphasis on Bayern's defensive work. All the players talked about talking about the clean sheet before the game, how important it was for Tuchel. It was interesting because he was constantly asking Joshua Kimmich and Leon Goretzka to play close together and to just, of course, when they don't have the ball, to really protect uh, the centre-backs because Bayern played with very high full-backs in this game. So they kept both Goretzka and Kimmich back and, they tried to, and he tried to keep them almost on the same line which for a Bayern team is a very defensive setup. But I guess it worked because Bremen didn't create much. And of course, going forward, Bayern were very good, especially on the flanks. I, I, my impression was that there is um, uh, 
that this Bayern team could play much better because especially in the um, um, offensive part of it, there was a, were a lot of wrong decision taking by players. So they were dribbling when they should pass, they were passing when they should dribble and so on. And there were many great situations that they um, were giving away. Uh, and I think that uh, adds to the bad news <laughs> that they they looked good, but uh, could easily be much better if they really become consistent and, and maybe uh, their confidence grows. What do you think, Raphael? There was definitely an element of that, especially because you felt that they wanted to find Harry Kane and Harry Kane wanted to be found. Now, he was very good, of course, creating that first goal, which was um, one of those rare counterattacks that Bayern enjoyed. Most of the time, Bremen were very deep and very defensive. But when they had less spaces, Kane was looking for spaces. He was playing sort of a little bit outside on the right, trying to find a bit of space. And often the communication, the, yeah, the, the combination between him and Bayern broke down very, very often. And it was clear to see that they're still trying to get used to each other, which is normal. But there were other incidents when, especially Leroy Sané, who I didn't think had a great game, mm -hmm. despite his two goals, uh, could have done, could have handled the ball better, could have, have had a better, um, as you said, better decision making. At the same time, I thought it was very encouraging to see Alfonso Davis so effective. He's been going through a pretty rough spell. Some people might say over the last one and a half years, this was much more like the real Alfonso Davis. Kingsley Coman, also on that left side, had a great game, really good game. And there are signs that Jamal Musiala is coming back, which also I think makes a huge difference for Bayern. Most of the time, they have to find spaces between the lines, and he is the best player they have. Able to do that, uh, picking up the ball and then running at defenders from tight angles and that makes such a difference if you have a player like that and again what was interesting with Tuchel afterwards he talked about the one-to-ones he said we can't always think and I think he was maybe referring to critics as well that everything can be solved through positioning through passing through tactics sometimes or often you just have to beat your man in the final third. That's when things happen. That's when things open up. And Bayern really did that, especially on the left. And I think that made a big difference and in the end made it uh, a deserved win, even if it perhaps was a little bit, the result was perhaps a little bit too emphatic considering how Bayern's performance was. Uh, Ronny, um, we haven't, uh, uh, Raphael hasn't talked much about Harry Kane uh, because he, I think, although there were sometimes uh, problems that Raphael has described, the link up with the other players, um, I had the impression that he um, easily adjusted to this Bayern team. What was, how did you see it? Well, he certainly didn't look out of place. I mean, he started uh, perfectly with uh, when uh, Bayern was counting it, uh, counter-attacking after a few minutes and just with one flick on, um, he opened the path for Leo, Leroy Sané uh, on goal and he, and he scored. That was a typical Harry Kane situation that uh, he really can be a player that with one touch can change the whole situation or can change a game. Um, 
I think he looked um, he looked part of the team. Yes, I think that's fair to say. And there were glimpses, moments where you could realize when you were searching for it that he really is what we all know, uh, a world-class striker. Um, which in a way is interesting that the Bundesliga itself always had the feeling in the last few years that it's a bit second rate uh, to the Premier League. But they always had... Um, fantastic strikers i mean they had Lewandowski, they had Haaland, and uh, it would will be it's still to be seen if harry kane can perform on that level like the two of them did in the last few years but you certainly um could get a feeling to realize okay that's why they signed harry kane he can he can make a difference for them um rafael last question concerning all this was harry kane um, a surprise that it's so loud in German stadiums. I don't know if you were surprised, but you certainly hugely complimentary about the atmosphere in the stadium, saying it, it beat the odd uh, Premier League game. Uh, Ronnie has an interesting theory on this. He, he he always says in in the Premier League that the fans they watch the game more, and it's it's wrong to say that they're more quiet. They're just more observant and they get excited when there's things to get excited about and when there isn't they they keep watching which i think there's a lot there's a, a big element of truth in that of course in the bundesliga you have a different atmosphere influenced by the italian uh, ultra uh, movement where the idea is that you have to scream and shout and sing uh, for 90 minutes and certainly the bremen home support was very impressive but also the bayern ones made made their presence felt and There were flares, there were all the things that the league doesn't like, but actually neutrals secretly do <laughs> do enjoy uh, quite a lot. And yeah, it was a was a great atmosphere, despite the slightly one-sided nature of the contest. But German um, football seems to be a kind of, let's say, split personality these days. You know, you got lots you got a feeling whenever you watch the national side, even the female national side these days, German football is in crisis, people are not that interested anymore interested anymore. German football has passed the pinnacle of interest. But then you go back to the Bundesliga and all the stadiums are now full. Um, they are sold out. And as you said, the people are really happy to support their team, uh, make a big noise. I think Frankfurt started a lot of those things that like, like um, the whole stadium coming to the game, wearing the, the team colors like it was in Stuttgart uh, on Saturday. The whole stadium was white. Everybody was wearing a white T-shirt. So it seems, um, yeah, on one hand, people are tired of, of football. And on the other hand, they can't get enough of football. I think that's, exact, I think that's exactly right. The Bundes, especially the Bundesliga is, um, is booming. Um, it might not be reflected in next year's TV rights, which is going to be very, very interesting. But certainly as far as the local domestic indicators is concerned, the, the, the season ticket sales... The amount of excitement that exists going into the new season, I would completely agree with you, Ronnie. Uh, and and we talked about it, uh, I think, the other week, um, that it's also uh, visible in the leagues below. Um, uh, fantastic crowds at uh, in second division, third division, and even some uh, clubs in the fourth level of German football. Yeah, we have a we have a football boom in Germany. And we had Bayer Leverkusen playing RB Leipzig, a, another uh, uh, top game. Ronny, um, we've been talking about um, 
Bayer, Xabi Alonso's Bayer Leverkusen as probably the kind of dark horse or uh, red and black horse uh, racing for the German title. Um, did they look like this against in their win against Leipzig? Well, to be fair, I just watched the highlights. I mean, I don't know how how you do it, watching every game, spending your whole weekend watching videotapes or something. So I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't go too deep into the analysis. There was one one thing which I thought before when you were talking about that crap goal, or as you said, the in Fußball Deutsch uh, Kack Tor from uh, Marlen. I think sometimes it's even better if you miss hit the ball uh, because it's totally the goalkeeper doesn't know where it flies. And there was one goal at the Leverkusen game, a beautiful goal um, scored by Florian Wirtz when uh, Friepong, the Leverkusen uh, player, cut into the area from the right side, passed the ball into the middle, a, a flat pass. And uh, Florian Wirtz totally mishit the ball. He didn't hit it right with his, the inside of his foot. But the ball was bouncing immediately and bouncing over the goalkeeper. So that made me remember a conversation I had with one of the great old strikers of German football, Olaf Marshall. He said, it's, it's good when you have a good technique as a striker, but you don't need to have a great technique. The most important thing is that you're in the box and you hit the ball as much as you can get because from the way, from your foot to the goal, anything can happen. The ball can bounce it from, from a defender's foot on the floor or something. Just hit it. And that was a, a reminder, basically, that goal which seemed beautiful for everybody because it was going right over the goalkeeper and he had no chance. But it was a goal by mistake. Yeah, I think he hit himself. I think his... his his uh, shot came off his left foot right. after he'd, he'd taken it with his right. But yeah, a wonderful goal. To cap off a wonderful game, really, I think we were looking forward to this one as the most exciting game in terms of the uh, evenly matched nature of a contest. Leverkusen taking on Leipzig. And it didn't disappoint because there was a lot of pace, there was a lot of quality, a lot of goals. And in the end, um, the win for Leverkusen, who, just to underline our earlier point, sold more season tickets than ever in the history, which considering that they had this uh, amazing spell 20 years ago with that uh, wonderful team, Ballack, Lucio, Schneider, Zeroberto, etc., just shows you how excited uh, people in Leverkusen now, which is not necessarily you know, the, the, the biggest football city or the biggest city full stop um, for excitement. But the hype, the boom is real because this is a team that's really fun watching, isn't it, Christoph? Yeah, yeah, and um, yeah, in, interestingly, they they have a, a new central midfield with Granitschaka and Palacios. Um, Robert Andrich um, uh, was out uh, against uh, Leipzig, watching on the bench, not because he was injured, but um, because Xabi Alonso was taking a different. Uh, had a different idea. It didn't look as if Musa Diaby was missing. That was interesting. Um, Victor Boniface, um, the new uh, uh, Nigerian center forward coming from uh, Union Saint-Gilloise in Belgium, looked very impressive. So, yeah, I, I don't think it was... Uh, uh, um, uh, the quality of the performance was like uh, shockingly brilliant, but it was very, very good football against a very, very good t 
stream. So, yeah, um, I think it will be fun to watch uh, Bayer Leverkusen um, uh, this year. Yeah, especially if Florian Wirtz continues to, to play well. I think last year we saw some glimpses of him coming back to his best after that lengthy injury. I think now with a full season and uh, a bit more time, of course, to get fully fit in, in the off-season, hopefully he'll, he'll really shine, which might well be, um, and that might well be part of the beauty of this Leverkusen team, uh, a fleeting brilliance because there's always a chance that A, they're going to lose one or two players, but more importantly, they might lose Xabi Alonso at the end of the season. He did sign a new contract, but I think he'll be the number one choice to succeed Carlo Ancelotti at Real Madrid. And the way they're playing at the moment, you wouldn't uh, be surprised if Real Madrid or another team of a similar stature go for it. Yeah, Real Madrid, I'm not so sure. They seem to be very cagey about signing young coaches. Um, probably because Florentino Perez, their president, is quite old himself. And uh, that's <laughs> that's why, from his own experience, he gives very much about experience. Um, so I think it will, be, it will be interesting to see. I mean, if he has a fantastic season, Xabi Alonso, he will be certainly in contention for the job. But at the moment, I don't really see it happening. Right. Should we be worried about uh, Leipzig a little bit? Were they showing any signs of... Of weaknesses, or were they just beaten by a slightly better team in a, in a high-class game, and everything is is still fine? I think that's a, that was a story of, of the game. So, um, I mean, we have praised them for their performance against uh, Bayern uh, last Saturday in the uh, German Super Cup, and um, they played well again. It was a good game. One team won, so. No, 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 no uh, RB crisis uh, around the corner. Okay. Uh, VfL Bochum? Oh, yes. A uh, bit of a crisis or, or maybe the expected um, problems that uh, they faced. They were beaten 5-0. You mentioned it uh, briefly against uh, VfB Stuttgart. A very good VfB Stuttgart side, we should say. Grassi and Silas combining uh, really effectively with uh, two goals each. Very, very good performance, very strong, but maybe against the worst team in the Bundesliga, question mark. Christoph? Uh, it, yeah, um, uh, Bochum looked exactly like this. They were terrible. It was actually, I mean, their highest defeat at the start of a uh, season ever. Um, they lo looked terrible. They looked lifeless. Uh, they looked lethargic. Um, they looked disorganized. Um, there's a big debate in, in Bochum about the formation um, because uh, Thomas Lech, um, the manager, has switched to a uh, 3-5-2 uh, uh, in the in summer because he, he wanted to have a different setup um, compared to the four-man defense Bochum was having in the uh, last season. When you look at the individual goals, you could say that had nothing to do with organization. It was just gross, uh, uh, ridiculous defensive errors. Uh, but uh, maybe the... Um, Altogether, it looks as if the team is not um, feeling well 
maybe also with the tactics, maybe there are um, uh, some eternal uh, problems. Maybe I, I had the feeling already and I said it after they went out in the German Cup um, that they don't look fully fit. Um, so maybe there is a, a problem with the new uh, fi uh, fitness coach. I don't. I don't know what it is, but it's a huge, uh, huge blow because, as you said, they they looked like the worst team in the Bundesliga at least this weekend. But Stuttgart also played re really well. Um, and what we said last year that they were kind of uh, underachievers when you when you compare their performance and the points they uh, they were gathering, you could see um, uh, that they probably will have a season uh, this year that is much much better. Although, <clears throat> um, although they uh, uh, lost their by far more most important most influential player Vaturo Endo and Vaturo Endo uh, to Liverpool uh, um, they signed him for the defensive midfield and um, yeah um, I think it's um, Stuttgart can be uh, be optimistic about a good season and uh, Bochum has to solve uh, huge problems uh, this week and next week they're playing at home against Borussia Dortmund. Wow. But it, it's, it will be interesting to see if Stuttgart can hold on to this uh, performance um, because you said it, Vaturo Endo always looked like... Uh, um, a Champions League player in a in a mid-table team. He was really better better than the team, and I always thought um, it was um, time that one of the bigger teams signed him, um, and as Liverpool did now. And I think they can expect it will be very interesting to see if he, how he can perform on this level. Um, to sum it up, to and and to be a bit nasty, we haven't been nasty. Um, Throughout this uh, session, um, I think Vaturo Endo is the holding midfielder uh, Joe Kimmich wants to be. Um, you know, because uh, not in terms of, of quality, but in terms of what he does. He does everything on the pitch. He was the the player in the Bundesliga who won the most tackles for two, two or three years in a row. Um, his passing is really good. And here Kimmich comes in. His positioning is fantastic even if he moves forward a lot and creates a lot of attacks as well. But he seems to have a very good sense of when to go forward and where to position himself. And I think that's what uh, Joe Kimmich is still in the process of learning. Um, having said that, um, um, without all the nastiness, I think Kimmich got much better in this in terms of how to position himself under Julian Nagelsmann. But I think, as I said, uh, Vaturo Endo, he's a, he's the complete holding, holding midfielder. Um, I had a chance to, to talk to him last, well, actually this year it was, uh, at Stuttgart. And I found it interested, uh, when he, when he explained it to me that while playing in Japan or Belgium, he wasn't tackling that much. He wasn't going into, um, the tacklings that much, but he just thought, coming to Germany, that's the thing you have to do in Germany. You know, it's uh, where everybody is wild on the pitch and there's a lot of tackling. And he said himself, he changed his game a lot for playing in Germany. And I found that really amazing that a player is able to change his game um, 
not only adapt to a new league, but to become better than anybody else in that league in a very German thing to do, which is tackling. Um, I, I think uh, Ronnie is absolutely right with praising uh, Endo so much. And I got some messages from, from uh, friends in England like, who is this guy? Is he good enough for Liverpool? And I would say, yes, he's good enough for Liverpool. Yeah, if, if they want to watch him play, they just uh, need to watch again, watch what they will enjoy, certainly, Japan beating Germany uh, at the World Cup. I think their endo outshined the, the German midfield, um, even if the Germans had the ball most of the time. But again, his positioning, uh, where to close passing, uh, passes and stuff was fantastic. And, and uh, even on the counter-attack, he played some really, really interesting passes there. We have two more games um, uh, that we haven't talked about. Um, I think we j should just briefly mention that the Baden Derby between North Baden and South Baden between uh, Hoffenheim and um, Freiburg was 1-1 um, by Freiburg. A good performance uh, to the relief of Christian Streich, who was a bit... Mm, uh, uncertain about the state of his team after the uh, the preparation, and then there was drum roll, the most spectacular uh, game of the weekend, um, and we I don't know how happy our producer York is. Yeah, he's shaking his head, not not so happy, maybe about the performance, but. Um, so it was a 4-4 between Augsburg and Borussia Mönchengladbach. Ronny, um, uh, it was wild. Certainly. If you got one of the old uh, VHS videotapes, get them out and uh, tape that game and watch it again and again, particularly the first half when uh, there were some magnif magnificent goals, really. I mean, for me, the favorite goal was when the Mönchengladbach goalkeeper Omlin hit, uh, hit a wide pass. And the guy up front, um, I can't pronounce his name, but the Gladbach striker, he just with Ooh. one... There were just three or four players in the Augsburg half. And with one touch, he played the ball in between the two Augsburg uh, central defenders. And he was so lightning quick, he just ran after it. I think he, he passed the ball for himself for even 10 yards or something. And he ran between the two defenders and hit it wild and right into the goal. Fun, some fantastic goals, even better goals than you would see on your local pitch with uh, some kids trying to to be Ronaldo. It was really kids football, but very much enjoyable kids football. But the interesting thing for me was, as I said, I think in total there were 34 goals. Do you have any any notion why there are so many goals in the Bundesliga? I think the Bundesliga is the league which uh, scores the most goals every every season. Is it just a lack of defending? Is it a question of pace? Um, because they are obsessed with uh, counter-attacking so quickly. And any ideas? I think people just demand it. I think you, you saw from your reaction after that glorious 1-0 win over Darmstadt, which might have been celebrated in, let's say, in some sectors in Italy, or the old <laughs> Italy at least, as a masterful tactical minimalist win. Uh, we're disappointed. We, we want more goals. We want more action. We want more spectacle. And because this is a league that's still, I think, set up to satisfy the local fans, first and foremost, in many ways, people get uh, what they want. 
I think the um, the aspect of pace is is a good one um, uh, because uh, yes, um, when you when you listen to what technical directors and managers are saying, very often uh, high up on the priority list is that uh, a player, especially offensive player, but also central defenders and so on, should be fast and. Um, and uh, and maybe also what 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 we talked about um, uh, fans reaction and so on um, they force uh, fans force the team to to press to to create something uh, to be not boring so if a coach had a a too controlled um, approach to his game i think um, uh, people would unhappy and they uh, they would tell and um, but I, I think this four four uh, was exceptional. Um, uh, interestingly, with two, I, I think I mean, we, we must say that terrible uh, video referee decisions. I mean, equally uh, on on both sides. So so uh, uh, the the um, penalty for for Augsburg in my view, was none. And, and also the uh, equalizer for Borussia Mönchengladbach in uh, 90 plus 7 uh, was there very dubious. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, Seoane, uh, uh, the new coach of Borussia Mönchengladbach, said uh, uh, the journey has just begun. And uh, I think on, on this journey, uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach has to stabilize their defense a bit, but they can uh, be happy about their new um, uh, Czech uh, striker, Thomas Schwanchara. Um, he looked impressive, but um, uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach is, is obviously still interested in strengthening uh, their squad up front because they want to sign uh, Jordan Sibacu from uh, Union Berlin. Let's see, um, uh, let's see uh, when this happens or if this happens. And uh, yeah, so Ronnie. Um, a word on Augsburg. We always complain about them being kind of boring, boring Augsburg. You had a sense in the last two or three years that uh, when it comes to summer signings, oh, Augsburg are improving. Um, they've got a bit of money to spend from their American ex investor, I think. And even this season, they signed uh, some interesting players um, from Darmstadt, the striker Tietz. And they scored four goals and he wasn't even on the pitch for the first 70 minutes or something. Um, so what I wanted to say is you always think they made some good signings. They should improve, but they don't go places, really. They stay where they always been, like in the in the bottom of the table, fighting relegation. And um, here we go again, I think, another season um, in the doghouse of German football. OK, I think that's a very nice a natural end to this week's edition. My thanks to uh, Ronnie Reng, our star guest. Thank you, Ronnie, for being with us once more. Well, you can always invite me when Bayern Munich loses. I think I've got much more to say then. But thanks for having me on <laughs> yeah. show. I don't know if there's going to be many occasions of the, for that this season, but uh, we'll, we'll take you up on the offer. Thank you very much. Thank you, dear listener, for A, supporting us um, by listening to us by being a member of the Beer and Honey Supporters Club by thinking about being a member or indeed becoming a member of the Beer and Honey Supporters Club or even an ultra, which is even better. 
Uh, we continue to rely on your support. So if you haven't yet taken the leap of faith and uh, helped us out a bit, I can only encourage you to do so. Um, we still need a little bit more money to be safe for the season. So um, please, if you can, sign up for us. Thank you very much. I was Rafael Honigstein. And I was Christoph Biermann. And we say bye-bye. Beer and Honey, the German football podcast.